Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back and we are continuing where we left off yesterday and the day before, how to have a successful, happy marriage and partnership. And thank you for all the great feedback we're getting on this topic. We sincerely appreciate all of you appreciating that we are in, um, that we are creating this content for you. And it is leading up to Valentine's Day. Quick reminder for those of you who have not done any Valentine's <laughs> yes. Day uh, shopping yet. It's not yet. too late. It's not too late. That's Correct. right. And this was also a special request for many of our listeners and coaching clients and I have to give a special shout out to all of you guys that are working with your spouses, whether that's in real estate for most of you, but we also have mortgage people, appraisers, transaction coordinators, et cetera. And one of the things that they talk about, I wanted to make sure we mentioned this, is they, they seem to have this quest to have this magical separation between the business and their marriage or their business and their personal lives together. And I have to say, stop looking for that magical separation. If you're in real estate and you're working together, you're going to have stuff that comes up during the day personal and you're also going to have business stuff that you have a thought at night during dinner it's impossible to have complete separation so part of our series is to help you guys have some filters and some rules in place for assisting you and having a smoother time of it but it's never going to be like this utopian type of experience i appreciate you asking but we've been doing this for 30 years (laughs) and you know honestly we've never tried to have complete separation because you can't you can't it'll just frustrate you well in order to have a successful business of any kind the antivirus software is pretty much running in your head at all times Mm -hmm. you get used to it eventually Mm -hmm. but that's called being a business owner by antivirus software your mind is always you know looking for threat vectors and always looking to play whack-a-mole for you know this get done that that get done. what about this and what about that exactly that's the nature of uh being a business owner. And that's one of the costs of being a business owner. That's one of the costs of being an entrepreneur. But it's also one of the things that when you are, you get efficient at it. And over time, you will create some financial abundance for yourself that had you not chosen that, uh, I'd say more perilous path to your mm-hmm. financial uh, freedom and financial future, you wouldn't have been able gotten, you never would have gotten to that point of being True. rich. So we're going to pick up where we left off on point number seven. Yes. Yeah, so remember, this is a multi-part podcast. This is all about uh, having a happy marriage and partnership. So if you missed previous, get caught up on the shows. So point number seven, show overt gratitude and appreciation regularly. Joel Osteen says, bloom where you're planted. I, I love that quote because it just cuts right to it. Focus on what's good and either fix what's not right or let it go. But it's up to you to own it. Practice random acts of kindness with your spouse and be your spouse's best friend. I think that's just a huge point because it gets you thinking the right way. It gets you thinking, you know, I don't want to make it all woo-woo positive thinking, but what are you really focused on? Are you focused on the good or are you focused on what's messed up? Well, so let's make this practical. One of the things and when we have personal coaching clients that we always prescribe is that you have a minimum daily standard of three to five, you know, things you're going to do every day. These Mm -hmm. are things that are going to happen no matter what. And obviously, we're business coaches, so our primary focus is going to be on things that are going to put you in a position to help people make money. But one of, I always have it on my top five, is show overt appreciation for your family and not by, you know, just just some little passive thing. Going up to your wife or your partner or your husband and giving them a hug and a kiss and saying, I love you. Same thing with your kids. Same thing with your cat and your dog and your bird. 
Yeah, exactly. You, know, you got to do. You have to yeah. be overt about it, even if that's not the nature of how your family operates. Even if your family is a bunch of you know introverted, no touchy types, and you know people would rather spend time behind a screen or behind. And a even book. if you don't feel like it, and even if you're thinking about three different things you got to deal with today, it doesn't matter to those people who love you and who you love. You're doing it for a reason. You are doing those tasks to support your family and the people that you love. So you might as well show them overt gratitude and appreciation. And we did a podcast on um, gratitude, and you it was last uh, – what, what was the well, title? It was, Do you remember? I think it was something like 31 Ways to Show Gratitude. It was mm-hmm. in the month of gratitude. It was back in Thanksgiving month. So this but one, you can use them anytime. Yeah, go back and listen to all of our past podcasts available on iTunes and on Stitcher and all the other podcasts, you know, Spotify and everywhere else. But go back and listen to that specific podcast. But I'll tell you one of the, uh, the points that hopefully all of you will appreciate is that when you are in a state of appreciation and gratitude, you are elevating your mental and emotional and, dare I say, spiritual state so that your ego is not dominating your thoughts. You're no longer living in a state of fear. You're no longer living in a state of, you know, I think, anxiety. By showing appreciation, by showing overt appreciation, that's the reason it matters, mm-hmm. by giving someone you love a hug and a kiss, by doing that, in that moment, you're giving yourself, you're making yourself vulnerable, but all those anxiety-type, fear-type feelings, ego-type feelings cannot intermix with appreciation. They just, it's oil and water. Well, it's a great hard reset for your own mindset. It is. And when you do it in the morning, which is what we always suggest you do, um, and you start being the leader in your family and doing that every single day, you're going to set the course for their days as well. And you just watch. Mm-hmm. Magically, everyone's days start getting better. It's everyone true. starts getting along better. They start mirroring and matching your behavior, not in an NLP way, but in a genuine mm-hmm. way, yeah. so that you then start having these more profound relationships only because you're the one that was the, you know, you're showing appreciation for other people. You're telling them that you love them. You're telling them that you appreciate them. Now, if it's just you and your cat, after you've shown your cat appreciation, find other people in yeah. your life and do the same thing. And one of the things you can consider doing as you become, um, you know, more comfortable doing this is you can expand your shows of appreciation to people maybe in your centers of influence and past clients. But do it overtly. Do it directly. Don't do it, you know, I would definitely suggest you call them. You say mm-hmm. something to them. When you see them, you say something to them. Make people feel special by you putting yourself out there, showing overt appreciation to them. It pivots the entire world, and it's incredibly powerful. That's right. So along those lines, point number eight, a lot of this gets to being present and noticing things, you know, not being stuck in your own world. So point number eight, respect your mutual environment. Be a good household citizen and clean up after yourself. Make your bed, clean the di- clean up your dishes, push your chair in after you have leave the table, fill the coffee machine after you drain it, making your own coffee. You know, respect your own environment. It's funny, I was thinking about, we each have our own little foibles on this, but I think that most people do. I have no foibles about these things. <laughs> well, let's say you're more particular about, say, the cars and the golf cart. Yeah. I'm more particular about the kitchen yeah. because, you know, that's where I spend a lot of time. So I think that we all have these little sensitivities. And if you're not a good citizen in your office, in your car, you know, in your own home, those things can build up and it does get construed consciously or subconsciously as some level of disrespect or that somebody isn't caring because now you have to go deal with it. But this also goes to mindset because Mm -hmm. there was a great commencement speech that was done by, uh, it was, I think, the University of Texas. Some of you have watched this. I don't remember the guy. I think it was a former Navy admiral admiral, and just, you know, Mm -hmm. and one of the things he's, the speech was, 
Every single day, make your own I bed. I remember that, yeah. Make your own bed every single day because mm-hmm. what happens no matter what happened during the day, you can come home and you basically have a made bed that's waiting for you. See, but that's a great daily standard that everybody can follow. It is. and But the other thing it's doing is it's setting your day in a course of uh, behavioral, um, I think, Taking positive. after, yeah. Yeah. You know, not, I wasn't going to say positivity, but a, a positive behavioral pattern, right? Mm-hmm. So if you start every day. Uh, making your bed. If you start every day showing appreciation, and then we get into some of the things with regards to what you should be doing to generate business for yourself, and you do that every single day, there's a compounding effect to showing appreciation every single day. And there's also a compounding effect to not showing, getting back to the previous Mm -hmm. point, showing appreciation every day. There's a compounding effect to making contacts every single day with, you know, proactive contacts with people that are thinking about buying Mm -hmm. or selling real estate. All of these things build positive momentum and are like interest. They compound over time. But if you don't do it consistently and you do it, you know, here and there, you're not going to get the full benefit from it. Even if you have to, this goes back to one of our Harris rules, right? And I know this sounds maybe a little bit. I don't know. I'm showing, asking you guys to show appreciation to other people. We're telling you to respect your environment. At the start, it is going to fall into the realm for some of you of doing what you don't want to do mm-hmm. when you don't want to do it at the highest level because your egos are going to be so wrapped up with, why should I show appreciation to my whoever? They know, never show appreciation to me. They need to show appreciation to me first before I show appreciation to them. That's well, not very appreciative, is it? That's well. <laughs> not only that, but how does that make you feel? Just the very little thing I was just saying, doesn't that just fill your heart with anxiety? Well, that's what appreciation cracks through. That's what, even if you show appreciation and they don't reciprocate, you don't do it expecting them to reciprocate because maybe they're so wrapped up in their own bullshit in their heads, their own egos, that they can't even fathom being in that state. But you've got to set the example. You've got to lead with that, even if you're not feeling it back immediately. And you're doing it, ultimately, you're doing this, you're showing appreciation for other people and you're doing it initially because it's going to improve yourself. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to elevate you out of the muck, the emotional muck that some of us love to get stuck in. And I'm, this wasn't one of our points, but we're going to sidestep. Do not ever start your day with any media. Do not ever just avoid all forms of social media. Avoid news feeds on Google or news feeds on Facebook. Avoid watching any sort of news, listening to any sort of news. Avoid all of that crap. Your morning has to be reserved for you. It has to be reserved for following your morning schedule. It has to be reserved specifically for the betterment of yourself personally, financially, and familiarly, and dare I say, eventually spiritually. That's what your morning is all about. Well, you, you have control that way. Otherwise, you're not. If you start your day, like we said, three to five minimum standards you're going to do every single day. They're going to vary slightly for most people, but it's going to involve some form of uh, exercise, some form of uh, uh, overt appreciation like what we just described in the previous point. It's going to, you know, obviously show uh, inc- require some level of controlling your your environment. And remember, your environment is your physical environment, but it's also the people around mm-hmm. you. This is the reason I brought up the media free, because even though your environment is the person in your the room you're in, the people you're around, but your environment is also your digital environment. So when you control those things, at the end of the day, it's really there's only a handful of things you guys can control. You can control your weight, you can control your environment, and you can control your finances. Those three things. Everything else is really outside of your control. But if you can control those three things, everything else falls in line. So those are your three minimum standards that when 
we're being uh, when we're coaching you guys, we'll help you focus in on. By the way, a lot of you are joining our coaching program. We sincerely appreciate uh, you choosing for us to be your real estate coaches. All of our faculty and staff were in perfect alignment with making this your best year ever. If you're ready to join coaching, which frankly, I know most of you are, just go ahead and text the word PREMIER to 47372. Text the word PREMIER to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link where you can learn about our PREMIER coaching program, which you can join depending on how you decide to join for around $100 a month. So every single one of you can be in our PREMIER coaching program. That means tomorrow, today, depending on when you're listening to this, you can be uh, joining our group with your semi-private daily coaching call. Every single day, every single workday, you're going to have a, a private coaching call with our other, uh, on a, sale, a semi-private coaching call with our with our members. And you're going to be able to attend the private Facebook groups. You're going to be in, uh, have access to all of our scripts, all of our presentations, all of our systems, every single thing you need to do to build your real estate business is there waiting for you. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. And remember, message and data rates may apply. Yes, so point number nine, don't be a drunk or another kind of addict, or maybe both, hopefully not. If a substance is more important than your spouse, you have a problem that needs to be addressed. And I'm going to tell you guys how easy it is for alcohol in particular to become normalized as far as people over drinking, um, especially during COVID. We had friends and we had coaching clients that we did not have a lot of contact with during COVID, maybe in uh, Zoom or whatever. And we didn't do a lot of traveling and neither did you guys during lockdown, right? And then we saw some of these people and I can count on one hand how many of them look like they looked prior to COVID or even look better than they looked, virtually all of them gained weight. And if you were to talk to them about why, it's because they all started drinking. And drinking alcohol has become uh, one of the biggest destroyers of potential because when you drink too much booze, and we're gonna give you a hack for it in a second. When you drink too much of anything, but you know, wine is the, I think the new narcotic for most people. Um, what happens is it not only will ruin you health-wise over time, not only will it dull your senses and cause you to not be the person you otherwise would have been, but it also takes your edge off for the following day. And you will, I, look, I get it. Julie and I drink wine too. Uh, and we have oftentimes had to monitor ourselves for this, especially socially. It's easy to have one glass and then it's easy to have another. And then after that, you're like, well, you know, what's a third glass? It doesn't make a difference. Well, then the next day you're going to feel like shit. You're not going to feel like working out. And then now you're building, you're essentially the compounding effect of building negative momentum. You're now working against yourself. So one of the things to do, let's say, for example, your wife named Julie, <laughs> like Chardonnay, let's mm -hmm. just say. I mean, theoretically, theoretically, right? <laughs> and let's say Julie has agreed to have one glass of Chardonnay uh, per day during the week. And that's it. And let's say Julie likes Chardonnay that if, if available, she might have two, but she's wanting to have one. Am I, mm -hmm. I no, mean, that's not that you ever do this. No, I, no. no, no. <laughs> okay. So the way to do it is that each glass, it, one bottle of wine per week, and let's just say your spouse's name is Julie, can only have that one bottle. But this is a plan and a system that she put in place Yes. that was designed to make it so she was removing the temptation. And then, go ahead. Well, and then it makes it easier because you're self-regulating. I also add ice. You know, yeah. I do stuff like, because I like longer. it super uh, cold and lasts longer. And I also, you know, I had a coaching client dealing with this as well. And he said that he had kind of a similar habit. And what he noticed was it was a habit for him to always, like, if he was watching TV or he was working on his computer or whatever, he, like, wanted to have that glass in his hand. 
And so what he did is he switched to sparkling water, but he used a wine glass. So it kind of felt like the same habit, and he, he said it was almost instantly better. And I so, don't. But but the point yeah. is that you have well, to tea own too. it. Yes, and tea when we switched like chamomile tea is better. Right. Um, we also have mostly you are off of Benadryl at night because you know that helped us sleep, right? So there's other things that wreck your following morning that you want to get rid of. So I'd like chamomile tea at night instead of Benadryl, for example. Yeah. The point so, is that you have to have a system. You have to own it. And we're talking about something very common. We've also had coaching clients with other substance issues. So the point is, you can't make that an important thing. You have to either let go of it completely or manage it. So let's make this really practical. If you start developing some sort of addiction to some sort of you know, mood-altering substance, it doesn't matter really mm-hmm. what it is, you are not honoring the commitment you made to your spouse. By becoming a drunk or some sort of other addict, you are, in essence, um, you're telling them that this substance is more important than the commitment and the vows, in essence, right. if you're married, right? Mm-hmm. Or the commitment you made to your partnership. You're then telling them that they are less important than you're feeling high or drunk. That's the message that you're actually sending to them. And it's a great destroyer of relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we talked the other day about the fact that, you know, people will often say in surveys that get divorced or don't stay in relationships. What was the biggest uh, issue? And they almost always say money. But it's these types of things sure. that are the destroyers of relationships. It's these types of little insidious evils, dare I say, that sneak into your relationship and destroy it. Well, there's something called the accumulation effect that yep. affects every single one of the points that we've presented so far. The accumulation effect of drinking too much. The accumulation effect of being a slob in your environment. The accumulation effect of not working out and taking care of yourself. Yep. The accumulation effect of not showing gratitude. So the accumulation effect works negatively or positively depending on what it is that you're accumulating. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I know it's going to make you uncomfortable, but it's important. <laughs> she just gave me a nasty look. Go this, ahead. This is the reason we don't videotape this podcast, <laughs> by the way, because you guys would see all Julie's facial no, expressions. Okay. So I can't say this, but I want you to answer this honestly. Okay. And I want you to do it as if we weren't being recorded. Great. Okay? Thanks for the ramp up. No, it's because I want you to be honest. Okay. You and I, committed. I will. Of we, course. We promised each other on this series we weren't going to hold sure. back. Okay. Of course. All right. So when you see women... Mm-hmm. And that's because I don't hear this from men. But when you mm-hmm. see women mm-hmm. who gain weight, uh-huh. who become unattractive mm-hmm. by essentially not taking after themselves mm-hmm. and then become resentful to their husbands yeah. because their husbands no longer find them attractive. Sure. And then they start saying things like, well, you should love me no matter what I look like and things yeah. like that. I want you to. No, speak. I don't like that. I, I mean, I and I have had conversations like that with friends as well as coaching clients. And I think it's a very selfish thing. To have that approach. Talk about because it. Because it's, I, I think there's a, you know, people are different. There's different psychologies about that. But generally, uh, it is being disrespectful to your spouse because you're showing that you don't really care what you look like anymore. And you don't care if they care. And then you try and turn it around on them and say, well, you should love me regardless. Well, no, they shouldn't because you're changing the rules. Refer to previous point in, in yesterday's podcast. Uh, and I do think that, I don't think it's just women. I think sometimes men do that too. But I, I think sometimes people become and stay overweight, unattractive. They let themselves go, whatever, because the, the, they're, let, let it's like say, a rejection in Let me just way. say something, okay? The yeah. reason that it's harder for women, I can't have this conversation with a woman. No, right? they won't You take have these right coaching way. clients, they won't take the wrong, right way from me. Yeah. Uh, but I can have this conversation with a sure. dude. 
I mean, I'll, I can go up to a guy. I've done, I've done it many times to coaching sure. clients, like men coaching clients. Yeah. I'll ask them for pictures or I'll find pictures of them online. Mm-hmm. And if they look like fat bastards and, and <laughs> I'm going to tell them, I'm going to yeah. say, so how does it feel like to be 100 pounds or 200 pounds overweight? What message are you sending to the world, those potential clients that you can't take care of yourself? What subconscious yeah, message right. are you sending to that prospective client? That you are, so you guys see well, how this. It, but it's different for women because women will say, well, you know, I've had four kids and one thing leads to the next. And it's really hard for me to get back into shape and I have this health and problem. And all those things problem, are true. And all those things are true. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a level of discipline to get yourself back into shape. And it's not, yes, it's for your spouse. It's also for yourself. It's also for your longevity. It's, absolutely. It's better for you. Um, so I, I think that people get pretty sensitive about that. But when they're being introspective, of course, you're going to feel better when you're in better shape. Of exactly. course, you're going to feel well, better when you're not having a six pack of beer and some Cheetos at night. Of course, you're going to feel better when you get to me. When I see that, and this may sound harsh, but I'm just being honest. When I see that, I see lack of discipline. And I know from seeing coaching clients, sometimes friends or even real estate clients in our past, that usually it's not just that they also have a messy environment they also are not being careful what they listen to they also are not that disciplined about their business they're not that disciplined about disciplining their kids it's like it it, remember yesterday we were talking about when you do concentrate on this even if it's just being consistent with a walk every day and you're you know you're moving the right direction that the other things in your life fall into place I would content, I would say the same is true if you screw this up, everything starts to fall apart or stays falling apart. It's a lack of discipline. This is why. But when, it's, this scales for every aspect of your life, yes, too. Yes, it does. But not, not like just Like physical weight. discipline. Phys, phys, but physical is the thing because this is the raw. This is well, the, it's an obvious thing, right? This is the obvious thing, but this is the thing that's going to offend but also have sure. most people be introspective, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. to what you're saying, mm-hmm. I completely agree. And also with men, truthfully. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is that um, we can have the same argument for somebody with regards to their finances or the regards to the, how they treat their relationship. But see, to, I'm, relationship what I'm saying is all the same. It's, it's all, all the same It is thing. all the same. It's discipline. It, this is why when, you know, I go to the gym to take a Pilates class or, uh, uh, you know, name your whatever class. Form, form of torture. Okay. If the coach shows up and they show up late and they're 20 pounds overweight, subconsciously I'm thinking, I don't know, how serious are they? Is this like their side hustle or are they really good at this? But isn't it weird that obviously everybody thinks that, but isn't it weird that we're not allowed to say that? I know. It's sort of like... And I'm going to get hate mail over this, I'm sure, but... uh, Julie at (laughs) TimAndJulieHarris.com. Julie at (laughs) TimAndJulieHarris.com. They already liked it up. But But this is... If you cut through all of the socialization and all the political correctness... Yeah. And all the Mickey Mouse. And you just deal with the practical, tactical nature. Because, again, the topic of this podcast is how to have a successful, happy marriage and partnership. This is what it's all about. And if you really cut through all of it, guys, and you're being honest with yourself, you'll see all this stuff goes hand in glove. Now, if you find yourself, um, you know, not being in the physical shape or financial shape or spiritual shape or familial shape or whatever that you would like to be, work on it. Yeah. Work And, and look, you don't have to try to lead your spouse and like get your whip out and say, we're going to get in shape. Don't do it that, that way. You work. lead by example. You know, you, I, I mean, Julie and I, at one point, we're both overweight. Uh, I weighed um, 50 pounds more than I do now. And you probably weighed 30 pounds more than yeah. you do now. 
And um, I couldn't very well tell Julie that, you know, we need to lose weight, but we both needed to lose weight. This is what happens when you have a lot of, you know, this is the real estate weight, as we call it. Well, it yeah. And this was, you know, this back when we were in our early 30s. Right? Yeah. Well, you didn't have discipline. We were having late night pizzas. And yeah. We weren't even consciously thinking about Mm-mm. things like health. And, and we were using and we weren't working out. Oh, we worked. We did have some closings. So we took a listing. Let's go and roar it ourselves and get a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And damn, those pizzas were good. <laughs> They Anthony's Pizza, are. you remember? Oh, they're awesome. Anyway, yeah. so, oh, now I want pizza. <laughs> you did that to yourself. <laughs> I did it to myself. Okay, but what then happened? I can't remember what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, but yet the accumulation effect caught up to us. Right. And then we both were overweight and we had to do something about well, it. Well, but you resisted. I yes. remember very, again, let's just make this very practical and be honest, okay? Because they mm-hmm. seem to resonate. I think we're Because I knew more. a lot of people that were bigger than me. Yeah, because you're normal. <laughs> you're, you were, you, but yeah. you had increased in size by, by your clothing size went up by six sizes. Basically. Yeah, okay. And, and my waist had gone up by five inches or something like that. And everyone around us kind of looked like we did. So it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> and I didn't want Julie to look the way she looked. I didn't want to look the way I looked either for me, but also because I wanted to look attractive to her. And so what I started doing is working out. I read some books. I started watching some things. I started doing some exercising. I started, you know, watching what I ate. I started, I didn't go to Julie and I didn't say, Julie, we're going to stop doing this. Julie, we're going to stop doing that. I just started. You started being curious about how to work on yourself and led. And then I became curious about what you were reading, listening to changing your habits. Right. And I think that 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 very thing probably should be one of our points, which is don't bludgeon each other with what you're trying to do. Lead by example. Own what you're trying to do. Don't try to coach the other person. Don't try and coach the other person. And and then your spouse will probably follow along. And, you know, if you're like me, be a little bit competitive about it. Exactly. Occasionally. You know, but that's, that'll be the, you know, nice. But it's more fun that way. It is more fun. But then what happens is, again, you start forming these positive momentums. Accumulation effect. Like, like, Julie, I'm going to go on a walk. I'll be back in an hour. Do you want to go? You know, maybe the first hundred times she would have said no, but eventually she said yes. And then with, then yes, next day, she's, we're going to start going on the walk the same time. We're going to start listening to podcasts and books that basically both of us are interested in. We start changing behavioral patterns. But the way you do it is by leading by example. Yes. So if you're saying you like what we're saying, but at some level you hate what we're saying because you know it's true, <laughs> and you're wanting to know what your first steps are, take the concept that we just gave to you. This We've done it in our 31-year marriage, and you know this is something we've done with finances. This is something – because when we got started, we got married – we were early 20s. What were you? We were, you were 20. Mm-hmm. I was 21. Yep. Right? And we didn't know shit about shit. Nope. We, we had were basically no, grown-up kids, barely. Yeah, barely. We had no knowledge about anything. And so we had to learn everything together. Oh, yes. Also, we were broke. Yeah. We were more than broke. We, we had, were sharing a car. We had $50,000 <laughs> in student loan debt yep. back when $50,000 was like an enormous amount of money. Yeah. yeah. And we were sharing a car and all these other things. But we paid off our student loans in the first uh, you know, year of being in real estate. Mm-hmm. And we set all their financial goals together. But this is, again, the advice we gave to Brandon Bichard and his beautiful wife, Denise, when we were sitting on the beach about a year ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what is the thing that really makes it so that you can have longevity in your relationships and your marriage specifically? It really is setting goals together. That's the number one thing. Setting goals and not it really not trying to impose your will on the other person. Um, even if you don't like, if you're in a state in your marriage or your partnership where you don't really like you, you feel, uh, admiration, maybe you, maybe you don't feel the sense of love isn't like what you want it to be. 
and maybe there's just some built-up resentments and some built-up bullshit and some other thing. It's almost impossible to go back and ring the, uh, the ring, unring, unring the, bell. the bell from past sins. It's almost it's almost impossible. Is there's no real point in talking about anything that happened in the past? Honestly, there's no benefit of it. The only thing you can do to really turn things around is start setting new goals for yourself individually. And then obviously as a couple and then what's more to the future than to the past. Right. And if you want to know what makes people miserable, it, what makes people miserable spending too much time in the past or spending too much time. And this is obviously in their heads, right? Or spending too much time in the future. When you spend too much time in either one of those places, you're not what you're not present. Mm -hmm. And by not being present, you give yourself uh, nothing but anxiety. And you're all, you're, your brain is unable to focus on what action items need to happen. And then you lose the ability to think practically. And then you, have, you don't take tactical uh, steps towards moving forward with your goals. So those are the That's points right. we had prepared for you guys today. And we're going to pick up where we left off uh, today, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, listen, we really sincerely appreciate you guys allowing us to have this uh, transparent conversation um, Julie, so when we were doing that, con when you were saying what you were just saying, mm -hmm. uh, what were you, is there anything else you'd like to say to kind of round the bend on that? Uh, well, I mean, we have a lot of points and we've been married forever. So it takes, a, you know, this is not like a, a three point podcast, right? I think that there are some uh, underlying themes like, you know, be conscious of what your messaging is to your spouse, right? Whether that's conscious or subconscious. Well, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, it goes back to that accumulation effect of, you know, are you taking care of yourself? Well, you know, maybe that starts out with, uh, you know, you gain five pounds. And then, you know, six months later, that's 10 pounds. And nobody really noticed along the way until really you see some pictures of yourself. And you're like, God, I look like that. And, and the other person all along has been saying, what's up with you in their mind? So you have to be conscious of, of what is the message that you're sending. And it all gets back to what you just said, which is being present. So you just said something that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You said that you will, people will have a tendency to not be able to see themselves objectively. I think that's, that's yeah. what you were trying to say. Mm -hmm. and, and by doing so, and they create like parallel realities that aren't really representative of how they actually are mm -hmm. or how they're being perceived to mm -hmm. be by their partners yes, or their, their spouses. Mm -hmm. And so um, give us some examples. Well, I think some of that is uh, subconscious because a lot of these things that we're talking about creep up incrementally, right? So you don't just go from like having- Give an example. Well, you don't just uh, probably go from having one glass of wine a night to having an entire bottle every day of the week. You don't and, usually do that. And then if you're doing that with your spouse, then it just becomes normal to have two or three or four glasses. And, and maybe neither one of you really noticed. Right. Okay. Same thing with uh, gaining weight. Same thing with letting yourself go in other ways. Same thing with not taking care of your environment. So it's your ego. It's incremental and you, you don't see it. It's the same like uh, fiscally. People don't Right. Just in, in most cases, you don't instantly run out of money. You drain your account because you think you're going to probably have another check coming in. And then all of a sudden you realize that you've got no money. But why is it that, for example, a picture, mm -hmm. right? Well, a little, a literal picture of looking at of how you look to other yeah, people. Because you don't see yourself the same way. But why is that that yeah. that cuts through the ego? Because that's what really, so the ego, the ego yeah. is trying to tell you uh, it's trying to keep you in a state of complacency your ego what's well, keeping it, you out of conflict it's right you're exactly well depending you don't want to deal with that it, it, you know? and so that will be yeah. you don't want to worry about you know your weight or your finances or the nature of your relationships you're going to kind of be lulled into this form this this version of complacency Stasis. and then it's not until you see a picture of yourself where you're objectively looking in at yourself and, and sometimes it is a picture mm -hmm. 
and then you're kind of shocked into reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about something personal between us because that's the nature of this podcast. Okay. I do have a coaching call in five minutes. I know. Okay. (laughs) But that's how, if you remember back when we were losing all that weight, that's how I got you to do it. Yes. I took pictures of you. Yes. And didn't, you didn't know it. And then I showed you the pictures. And for that very, in that very moment, then you were in, that's something a very, um, and I've done, you've done similar things with me on Mm -hmm. that too. But there's something about being an observer of your behavior. So like if and, – and the way to think of this is if um, – like if you had a uh, – it's a good angel and the bad angel, but I'll think of something that's – like if, if you had somebody watching you all day and that person was uh, objective, right? They were giving you – they were telling you what they were seeing. They're writing down what they're seeing. They're writing down – they're keeping track of your activities and how you interact with other people. Um, and you were then to get that report, many of you would be appalled. Yes, you wouldn't have any idea that you spent, you know, three hours on Facebook or whatever, because you don't realize it at the time. And, you know, I can't remember which podcast it was on, but we were talking about, I think it was about goal setting. And I had just read an article about somebody studying how your brain works when you're asked to think about yourself like two years in the future. And they showed that the part of your brain that's trying to imagine that when, when they're trying to paint that picture is the same as when your brain is imagining a stranger. Huh, yep. You know, because you don't really identify with that. So you're, you're in, you know, it's different when you're, you're yourself, right? So here's what you're talking about is also, it's been uh, a lot of research has been done around finances, right? Yes. Why is it so hard for people to save? It's because the idea that you're going to save this money for a version of yourself in the mm-hmm. future seems too abstract. It's too abstract versus you can have this money now, right? Right. You can have this money now. You could spend this money. You can do it's tangible. You know, right. That's, and right. so there, that's a, um, I don't know what, where that comes from in the brain, yeah. but most people are not wired to think about themselves in, in a future iteration. Like literally not wired that way. They can't. You, and, you can't, if you try, you can, you can visualize all you want to, right. but that's not really how your brain works. And yet curiously, when we say to coaching clients, like imagine yourself old and broke, you know, what does that look like? It's, it's funny that people actually can kind of think about that probably because they know somebody that's like that, but it's so abstract. And that's why people are drawn to things that are immediate gratification. And those things can be good or those things can be bad. So as coaches, when you join our coaching program by texting the word premier <laughs> to 47372, remember message and data Hopefully rates we may apply. Them off. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this these are real conversations and I'm hoping you guys are appreciating this because we'd frankly like to have more stuff like this in our show. Um, but the reality of it is, is when you're, you know, with the example Julie just gave. So say that one more time, what you just said. Oh, wait, well, sorry. Tell me. <laughs> I'm stuck. Uh, about uh, the accumulation effect of what you're doing can be good or can be bad, and that you're going towards immediate gratification most of the time in your life. Okay, so here's the interesting thought with that, is that when you are being coached by somebody like us, we're going to put systems in place that compensate for the lack of uh, discipline, if you want to call it that, but really let's just say the intrinsic nature that you have within your operating system to not see yourself into the future. Not not because of you personally, but because we know that's how humans work. Exactly. Because we have a lot of experience with us. Well, I mean, you and I don't trust ourselves. That's the reason we bought rental properties. That's right. We buy rental properties and we never sell them. That's that's the reason we we save automatically. It's a system. Exactly. And because we don't trust ourselves. Right. But as coaches, I always say we are interested third party. Yes. Right. We're interested in your success. We're interested in getting you there faster. We're interested in getting you out of your own way. 
And in many cases, yes, that's because we have had to do that for ourselves. hundred percent. That's true. Well, we did it. We figured it out actually being a the coach. The hard way. <laughs> right. Being a coach is the most incredible thing because it's cathartic, right? Yes, but it's also very accountable. It's one of the things mm-hmm. when we have our coaches in training, you know, our hair certified coaches, every single one of them, every single time, because these guys are all, of course, licensed and active. They all say the same thing. Oh, man, I can't coach that if I'm not doing it myself, Yep. right? Oh, I feel the accountability now. I've been doing this for years, but not at the level I have to coach it at. And they they all, it's funny how our, our coaches, their own businesses start to increase even more. And their personal life. And their, and their finances. Because of that accountability. Well, exactly. But know? that's ultimately. Which is cool. What, but that's what this is all about. Yeah. This goes back to the point you made on the first day. Mm-hmm. The environment in which you find yourself in. Sure. The personal environment, the professional environment, the physical environment, but also the environment of the people you surround yourself with, your coaches, for example, mm-hmm. what you allow your mind to ingest as far as content. All of these things go to your environment. And if you want to know about like how good of a, you know, look at your present reality. There's certain parts of your life that you love, certain parts of your life that you don't like, a lot of things you'd like to have differently. All of those things are a mirror of your decision-making apparatus and how effective it was at making decisions for you in the past. Maybe it's a second ago. Maybe you just grabbed a cup of coffee and you're feeling a little caffeine hit. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's six months ago. Maybe it's 60 years ago. These, what you're living now is a result, is the output result accumulation effect of all the decisions you made in the past. So if you're not liking the way certain aspects of our, that are going on in your life, you have to accept the fact that your decision-making apparatus around, for example, finances is not where it should be. Now, you can spend a hell of a lot of time trying to figure out why you think about, why you think, what's your normal oh, Forget out. all the psychological no. bullshit that, and stop trying to unring the bell. Don't worry about it. You are the way you are. Don't try to you know, avoid the health self-improvement thing. Instead, just put a system in place that forces you to change your behavior. That's it. That's it. You know, that's you know, the bottom line. And a lot of these things are, of course, in our Harris Rules book. And, you know, the coaches teach them every day. Something as simple as saving 10% off of every commission every single time you get paid, no matter what, that's what you do. And I don't think I, – I can't name a single coaching client or friend, colleague, that has ever saved a significant amount of money who hasn't had a discipline like that. I, I had a coaching call prior to this one. I have mm-hmm. a very few number of personal clients anymore. Go me. And, and it was with Stephen Giles. And I have someone I've coached on yep. and off for a long time, a great agent mm-hmm. in New York. Yep. Yep. All right. So he is, um, we were going, th- having this exact conversation. And the we were going through his real estate treasure map. We were talking about all of his numbers. And, you know, the mental way that they had been saved, he had been saving money, had been whatever's left. And I Very have a, I have a goal of saving this amount of money this year or paying off this debt. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're not going to do that anymore. What we're going to do instead is we're, is this real estate treasure map stuff, guys. If you want your own copy of the real estate treasure map, and this is literally what I had him complete. Yes. This is the first thing you do when you become one of a, a Harris coaching client um, is you finish your real estate treasure map. And the way you get your free copy of the treasure map, whether you're a client or not, it texts the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 47372. Text the word Harris to 47372. And remember, message and data rates may apply. Um, but what I had him do is wrote down what all of his personal expenses are, what all of his business expenses are. And then what, you know, if there are any debts, which there were, how much money he's got saved. I wanted a full, complete um, drill down on all money stuff. And then what we're going to do is every time he has a dollar come in off the top to what Julie just said, before anything is paid, we're going to stick that money into an investment account. We're going to start squirreling away money to buy rental properties. Otherwise, you won't do it. Otherwise, he won't do it. Nobody it's does it. It's against human nature. Yeah, well, saving what's left at the end is not a plan. 
But see, this is the whole theme of our show this week yeah. is about basically have like having to have a long-term relationship, partnership, mm-hmm. something that basically sure. you're proud of mm-hmm. and how to have, you know, tranquility and peace and financial independence that you mm-hmm. build along the way. Well, this is the types of conversations you have to start out with having primarily with yourself. And then when you start working on these things yourself, again, I know a mistake. This is normally a guy mistake, by the way. Don't go to your spouse and start hammering down and saying, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. You start doing it first. You start living that life first. You start having that discipline first. And then they will mirror you. They will start doing what you said. Don't coach them. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, hit them with a carrot or, you know, try to prod them with a stick. I mean, right. at the end of the day. I agree with that. Yep. Th- so, so that is what, for example, how to have financial discipline. We're going to get more into the details of how to work together and become more practical and how to separate responsibilities and at the same time stay a loving couple. And that's what we're going to talk more about um, tomorrow as we lead up to Valentine's Day. And uh, anything else you'd like to say, guys? I really appreciate you being so honest. That's all right. By the way, I love how you threw out there, uh, I have a coaching call in five minutes, even though I know it was in 15. Ten minutes ago. Yeah, ten (laughs) minutes. Yes, okay, (laughs) i got to run. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.